Um, welcome to 9 a.m. My name is Matt Keller. I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level Church. And as Mike and Scott just said, man, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, welcome. Um, what a privilege it is for us to have you with us today. And um, we're excited, excited that you came to be a part of what God is doing um, in the lives of the people of Next Level Church. Well, we are starting a brand new series this morning, and we're calling it Who I Am, Who I Want to Be. And so um, it's going to be a five-part series starting this morning, and it's going to center around this concept. And the, the concept is this idea that in each and every one of our lives, whether we realize it or not, there's a gap that life as you and I know it, life as you and I live it, includes gaps. I've actually been um, living this for the last several weeks because um, a while back, my wife and I realized that um, apparently there's a, a, a distance between where the ceramic tile in our shower ends and where the wall begins... Apparently there's a gap there, and so we've got water everywhere. So there's been these guys living in my shower for like a long time, way too long, like before Thanksgiving, living in my shower, because apparently there's a gap in my shower, and so my shower leaks. See, life is full of gaps. They're all around us. Of course, the obvious one is at the mall. Uh, there is a gap, and I think they might actually be having a clearance sale what up? So I don't know what time they open, but probably the first service people are going to get the best, best deals right there. So represent first service. Uh, pick a size medium, by the way. Uh, pick me up some while you're... There, life is full of gaps, isn't it? Uh, I mean, there's in baseball, of course, I'm a baseball fan. Um, there's this thing known as the gap, and it's the distance between outfielders. And every great hitter knows that if you can put one in the gap, if you can hit it in the gap, if you can learn how to position the hits into the gap in between those outfielders, good things happen to the hitter and bad things happen to the defense. There's, there's the gap in marriage of communication. There's the gap between what she said and what he heard. And all the men in the room said, Amen, brother, come on. There's, there's, the, there's the generation gap between um, a parent's view of the world and a teenager's view of the world. That's a gap. See, life is full of gaps. There's, there's the gap between what you're paid and what you think you should be paid. That's a gap, people, right? There, there's a gap between the car that we drive and the car we wish we drove, right? See, life is lived in, in the gap. There's... There's the gap between our relationship with God and the relationship with God that we wish we, wish we had. See, each of us live with gaps in our lives. It's, it's the distance between who I am and who I want to be. There's this, there's this gap thing going on in our lives. Some of us, maybe we can't see the gaps that exist in our life. Maybe some of us, we, we know that they're there, but we choose to overlook them, and we hope that the rest of the world around us wants to overlook our gaps as well. There's some of us that we're kind of living in denial of the gaps in our life between who I am and who I want to be. But see, here's the thing. The gap in our life, the distance between who I am and who I want to be, that distance, that gap, represents the zone of greatest struggle for our lives. And the reason why is because I wish lives in the gap. I wish I had a different nose. 
I wish I had a different hair color. I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. I wish I had a different job. I wish I had a different love life. I wish I had a better car, a bigger house. I wish I had a different spouse. I wish I had a different boyfriend or a girl, a different girlfriend. I, I wish my relationship with God was different than it is. See, the greatest struggles in our lives are lived in the gap of our lives. That distance between who I am and who I want to be. So what do we do about it? What do we do about this gap that exists, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we realize it, whether we want to do anything about it? The question for us that we're going to explore for the next five weeks is this. What do we do? How do we close the gap between who I am and who I want to be in my life? That's what this series is all about. How do we close the gap between the stuff I have and the stuff I wish I had? How do we close the gap between the love life I have and the love life I wish I had? How do we close the gap between the relationship with God I have and the relationship with God I wish that I had? That's what we're going to be talking about in these five weeks of this series called Who I Am who I want to be. Well, this morning, if you brought your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32 is where we're going to be looking today because I want us to look at the story of a guy named Jacob. And Jacob was um, a guy who was, was of a pretty good, pretty good lineage. He came from a good family. His grandfather was Abraham, the great uh, you know, statesman of God that God spoke to Abraham and said, I want to have a covenant between me and you and your whole family for ever type of deal so you got abraham and then abraham had a son isaac and isaac had a son two sons actually jacob and esau well jacob was right there so jacob comes from a good line abraham is his grandfather isaac is his father but see here's the thing about jacob let me give us a little background information jacob was not a good guy who jacob was was not good. In fact, when you look up the definition of the word Jacob in the original language Hebrew that this was written in, you discover that the word Jacob actually translates usurper, or a more modern word that we would use is deceiver, manipulator, liar, cheater, thief. Can you imagine being named liar, cheater, manipulator, usurper, deceiver? That was Jacob's name. So from, from birth, and you can study this, Genesis 25 on, we see that this guy Jacob, who he was and who he wanted to be were worlds apart. That, that He had this identity. He had this thing going on in his life where he's going, I, I know that I'm not who I want to be or who God would want me to be, but I'm, I'm stuck in this reality of who I am, of being this deceiver guy. And he and his, and his brother Esau had some seriously bad blood. And that's kind of where we pick up the story because over and over and over again, Jacob, for the first few decades of his life, basically lived his life to, like, punk other people. I mean, he, was, he punked his father-in-law. He punked his brother. He punked other relatives. I mean, everywhere you go, Jacob was this guy who was just a bona fide punk. Well... He punked his brother Esau one more time, and that's where we pick up the story. Genesis 32, we're going to start in verse 9. I want us to look at this together because this thing is in its full-blown fashion. Jacob and Esau are about to have a throwdown at the hoedown. I mean, this is, it's, it is bad news. And so Jacob realizes his back is against the wall. He realizes this is not going to end well for me. My brother Esau, I did it to him again. I manipulated again. I deceived him again. I lied to him again. I cheated him again. And bad things are about to happen to me. So Jacob finds himself backed against the wall. Esau's on one side of the river. He and his family and all of his stuff are on the other side of the river. 
And he knows that the next morning, this thing's going to come to a head. Because his brother Esau is coming to get him, and he is not happy. In fact, he is on fire. And he wants Jacob dead. Well, Jacob, that's where we pick up the story, finds himself with his back against the wall. Let's look, look at it together. Genesis chapter 32, starting at verse 9, it says this. Then Jacob prayed. Well, that's a good thing to do. Whenever you have your back against the wall, that's a good time to pray. Way to go, Jacob. Step one. Good job, dude. Ready? Then Jacob prayed. Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Verse 10. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Verse 11, look at this. Save me. He's praying, talking to God. I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me. And also the mothers with their children. What about the babies, Lord? Do you see what he's doing here? Verse 12. But you have said, I will surely, you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. What's he doing? He's doing the only thing that he ever knew how to do. Manipulate. So now here he is, back against the wall. He knows that his life is about to be required of him. And even when he goes to God, even when he prays, he's like, God... You're the one who told me to go back to my family. God, you're the one who who gave me all this. I wouldn't be in this mess if it weren't for you. God, you're the one. And what about the mamas and the children? He's totally trying to Eddie Haskell God right here. Oh, Mrs. Cleaver, I had no idea. That's what he's doing. Why? Because that's the only reality. That is who he is. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even know how to come to God without manipulating. You talk about a guy with a character flaw. Verse 13, look at this. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. So he's praying, he tries to manipulate God. What about the babies and the mamas and the deal and the thing? And you gave me all this, and you're the one who said, and God, you're the one who said I was going to prosper, the sand of the sea and the whole deal and the sentence. This is all on you. So then he starts thinking, well, what am I going to do about my brother Esau? I'm still in this mess. I know what I'll do. I'll bribe him. Look at the bribe. Verse 13. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. Verse 14. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 female camels. You know how big a camel is? 30 camels. And they're young. What? Look at this, keep reading, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> What's he doing? He's trying to bribe them. <sighs> Jacob knew no other reality than who he was. And who he was was deceiver, manipulator, cheater, thief, bribe guy. So he tries to manipulate God, and then he gets this idea. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and weasel my way out of this with my brother. Look, this is great. Verse 16. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself. That's good. Never mix animals. And said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. This plan is elaborate. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send the ewes in. Then we're going to send the goats in. Then we're going to send the donkeys in. Then we're going to send the camels in. They'll eat everything. Then we'll send this in. Then... He's stacking them deep and selling them cheap. 
Look at this. In verse 17, he instructed the one in the lead. When my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? Verse 18, then you are to say, they belong to your servant, Jacob. Blech. They are a gift sent to my Lord, Esau. Oh, and by the way, Jacob's coming behind us. Jacob had a problem. The problem was the gap between who he was and who he wanted to be. And he knew no other reality than to deceive and manipulate. And so he tries it again. But see, here's the thing. God wouldn't let him get away with it this time. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says this. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives... Thank God we don't live in that culture. Keep reading. That's a whole different message series. Who I am, who I want to be. No, you don't. That night, Jacob got up. What's going on? Verse 22. Come on, we're trying to read the Word of God here. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Verse 23. After he had sent them across the stream, look at this, he sent over all his possessions so Jacob has sent all of his livestock that we just numbered, 12 days of Christmas style. We just we got the whole deal. He sends all of his livestock. He sends all of his family and relatives over across the river. He, and then it says he sends all of his possessions across the river. So Jacob is left alone. Stripped of everything. Possessions, relatives, fame, servants, everything. Jacob is left alone standing in the gap between who he is and who he knows God wants him to be look at verse 24 so Jacob was left alone alone but look at this it looks like a contradictory statement and a man wrestled with him till daybreak okay how can you be alone and wrestle with somebody well, as we're about to find out here in a few verses, this wasn't any man. This was actually God come down in human form, so to speak, pre-Jesus. This is, this is a God encounter. Because Jacob finds himself back against the wall, stripped of everything, all of his possessions, all of his relatives, all of his fame and fortune, sent across the river, and he finds himself alone. And the Bible records in verse 24 that he wrestled with God all night long. Verse 25, look. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man or with the, as he wrestled with this God being. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. In other words, this, this God being that Jacob has wrestled with all night long sees that the sun is coming up and he's, he sees that he can't overpower Jacob and he's like, let me go, man, I gotta go, the sun's coming up. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. So Jacob is wrestling and he's wrestling in this gap zone of his life where he's going, I know who I am and I know what God wants me to become and I don't know how to bridge this gap in my life. And he wrestles with God all night long. Verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Okay, listen, time out. If I'm going to wrestle with God all night, 
I'm hoping God knows my name going in. Why are we, why have we been wrestling all night long, Lord, and you're just now asking me my name? What's going on? Who are you again? What's happening? Why are we wrestling? What? No, because that, that's not what's going on. See, this God being looks at Jacob and he says, What's your name? Jacob asks me, bless me. I won't let you go unless you bless me. I won't let you go unless you close this gap in my life, this inconsistency zone. I won't let you go. And God looks right back at him and says, what's your name? Look at his reply. Jacob. He answered, verse 28. Then the man said, your name, I love this, will no longer be deceiver. But Israel, Israel when translated means one who struggles with God. Verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings. And you've overcome. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why why do you ask me my name? And then, look what it says, then blessed him there. Verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. God closed the gap for Jacob in this encounter. God changed Jacob's identity forever. Right here. And this morning, as we finish off our time together, I want to very simply point out five things that I believe are necessary, five necessities to closing the gap for Jacob, and I believe they're also true for every one of us, five necessities for closing the gap between who I am and who I want to be, five things that are absolute necessities to seeing this gap closed. They were necessities for Jacob, and I believe they're necessities for us as well. The first one is this. Notice that Jacob had to wrestle with God. He had to wrestle with God. There was no other way for this gap in his life to be closed except to wrestle with God. Jacob had to engage him on that level. He had to struggle. He had to wrestle. And see, I believe it's true for every one of us as well. That if we're ever going to become who we want to be, who God wants us to be, it will only come when we have determined that we are willing to wrestle with God to get it. Now, this isn't good news. I understand that. I get it. Because none of us like to struggle. None of us like to wrestle. None of us like hard times in our life. None of us like difficulty in our lives. Nobody likes that. But here's what I think. I think that whomever God uses greatly, he tests greatly. In fact, it's pretty interesting, you guys. There's this pattern that we see in Scripture, and it's true of Jacob, and then it's true all the way through the pages of the Bible. And very simply, it's this. It's kind of a three-step deal. It's blessed, broken, then multiplied. Blessed, broken, then multiplied. We see it in Jacob. He was blessed. He he was blessed. But then God brought him to a breaking point. And then he multiplied him 
until his descendants number as the sands of the sea. Jesus did it with the communion bread. Remember, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he multiplied it. He gave it to his 12 disciples. He did it when he fed the 5,000. Remember, the little boy brought him the five loaves and the two fish. What did Jesus do? He blessed it, he broke it, and then he fed 5,000 people and they brought 12 baskets full at the end. Blessed, broken, then multiplied. Jesus personified this on the cross. He was blessed. He was broken on the cross. And now because of his brokenness on the cross, his forgiveness, his grace and his mercy are being multiplied in every heart across the world. Blessed, broken, then multiplied. Again, I don't, believe me, I don't like this principle as much as any of us. But I believe it's true. That there are strategic moments in our lives where God chooses to break us. He was stripped of everything. All of his possessions, all of his relationships, all of his networking, all of that was stripped of him. And it was him and God alone, all night, wrestling. Jacob had to wrestle. Here's the second thing. Jacob had to ask to be blessed. It didn't just happen. Of course, when you and I hear the word blessed, we think of material blessing, don't we? We're like, well, blessing, you know, God bless me, God bless this, bless our lunch, bless, bless, bless. We think of material blessing, but here's the thing, that is not at all what Jacob was praying for, because as we saw, I mean, he's got the partridge in the pear tree. He was blessed materially. He said, I came with one staff, now I've got two camps. I mean, he's got like two factories going on. He's got the whole deal. He was blessed materially. Well, then what was Jacob asking for? What was this blessing that he was asking for? He was asking for God to close the gap in his life. He wanted God more than material stuff. He wanted God to do a work on the inside. God, bless me. I won't let you go. If we're going to wrestle, if we're going to struggle, then God, I won't let you go until you bless me, until you close the gap between who I am and who I want to be. Notice number three, that Jacob had to get honest. He had to get honest about his true identity. God looks at him in the midst of this wrestling match and he says, Who are you? Call yourself by name. How does the world know you? Say it. Say it out loud. And Jacob had to look God in the face and say, I am deceiver that's who i am and i don't know what to do about it i don't know how to close this gap he had to get honest about who he was but then notice number four that god had to change his name only god could change who he truly was only god could close the gap only god could bring a oneness between who Jacob was and who Jacob and God wanted him to be. Only God could change his name. And God comes and he says, listen, you will no longer be known. Your legacy will no longer be known as deceiver, manipulator, usurper, liar, cheater. That is not the legacy, Jacob, that you will leave. The legacy you will leave on this earth is that of one who struggled with God. You are Israel. And from that time on, He was known as Israel. But then notice number five, and this is so huge. Jacob had to limp. 
He had to limp. Then in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this wrestling match, God, it says, touched his hip and put his hip out of socket. And, and as we study the book of Genesis, we discover that from this time on, it says that Jacob walked with a limp and that he had to walk with a cane or a staff. So imagine that. From this moment on, everywhere Jacob went, he limped. Everywhere he went, people would see him and they'd say, Jacob, what, what's, uh, what's, what's, what's going on? What's the thing, man? Uh, yeah, I had a little run-in. And by the way, uh, my name's not Jacob anymore. That's not who I am. It's not who I want to be. Jacob has a limp. So what about us? Are we willing to wrestle with God? When we consider the gaps that are in our life, the gap between who we are and who we want to be, are we willing to wrestle with God? Are we willing to ask God to bless us, not just materially, not the fluffy kind of blessing? Are we willing to engage God and say, God, I want, to, I want you to bless me on the inside. I want you to take who I am and who I want to be and merge them into this new identity, this new person that you want me to be. Are we willing to ask God to bless us? Are we willing to get honest about our true identity? This is who I am. I'm deceiver, I'm usurper, I'm whoever it is that in our heart right now we're going, yes, that's me, that's my gap. Are we willing to let God change our identity? And although our earthly name may not change, are we willing to let God do such an overhaul on the inside of us that we will become something completely different until the world around us goes, I don't even know who you are anymore. we willing to walk with a limp if we have to? Are we willing to so wrestle with God, so persist that God bless us, not materially, but on the inside, that God so resurrect our identity in Him that everywhere we go, the world would look on and go, man, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Well, I encountered God, and now my life is different forever. Are we willing? Because there's an alternative. See, the alternative to letting God close the gap in our lives is that we keep living with with the gap. The alternative is that we spend our entire life pretending that the gap doesn't exist. The alternative is that we spend our entire lives pretending and trying to fool everyone, including ourselves, that this gap is smaller than what it is, and it doesn't matter, that it's not a big deal. Well, that's the alternative. Is that we spend our lives living with this gap, this distance between who I am and who I want to be. Or we wrestle. God. So this morning as we close our time together, I want to ask us two questions. And the first question I want to ask us this morning is this. Is there a gap between us and God? 
Because everything that we're talking about this morning begins, the, the starting point of closing the gap and allowing God to close the gap in our lives begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because, see, the truth is, according to the Bible, we as human beings are fallen sinful humans. And God is this righteous, just God in heaven who's, who's loving. And, and he looks down and he sees that our sinfulness has created this gap between us and him. And so God, for a number of of centuries, lived with this gap between himself and his people that he longed to be in relationship with, that he longed to show his love and his grace and his mercy to. But but he couldn't stand this gap, and so he sends Jesus into the world 2,000 years ago, and Jesus came to be a bridge across the gap. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price by the shedding of his blood so that you and I, fallen, sinful, broken humanity could know what it is to cross the gap, be forgiven of all of that sin, and be in relationship with God again. That's the first gap. So my first question to us this morning is, is there distance between us and God? Are we in relationship with God? Have we crossed over that bridge? Have we accepted Christ and said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me, to close this gap called sin in my life? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you got all the whole thing turning in your stomach and you're like, why is he talking to me and the whole thing? And that's, then I would just say, you're here for this reason. And maybe you, you know, I don't know what you feel about church and the Bible and the whole deal. And maybe you kind of, you're like, I don't know. And I don't really understand it all. Well, that's, that's the bottom line of what you need to know. Us on this side, God on this side, and a big old fat gap in the middle. But Jesus came to bridge the gap so that we could be forgiven and be in relationship with God. That's what this book is all about. So this morning, I want to have a word of prayer with us. And if all across this room, we could just bow our heads just for a moment, just for, for privacy's sake, let's say. And if that's you today, you, you need to engage Jesus. You need to say, yes, I need to accept that. And I may not understand it all. And I may not understand everything else about the whole deal in the Bible and the church and the thing and the deal. None of that matters right now. What matters most is that we come to a place where we acknowledge that our sin has separated us from God, a loving God, a loving creator. And we ask Jesus to close that gap through his blood and forgive us of our sin. So this morning, with every head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in any way, shape, or form, but I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, if that's you, would you just simply slip your hand up and say, Yeah, Matt, that's me. Totally, I need to accept Jesus and what he did for me on the cross as payment to, to bridge that gap. If that's you, one, two, three. Just lift your hand right now. Awesome, awesome, fantastic. Fantastic. Across this room, once you put it up, you can put it down. Great. Awesome. Anybody else, you just put your hand up right now and say, yeah, i got to come across that bridge. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin, of everything I've ever done wrong. I need forgiveness. Is, is there anybody else? You just This is your moment. This is your chance to come across that bridge and say, Jesus, I accept you. And what you did on the cross is payment for my sin that has created this gap between me and God. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. And as a matter of fact, I want to lead you in a prayer. Because as we saw with Jacob, there's something powerful about declaring it. When we say it with our mouth, and he had to say his name, Jacob. And I want to give you a chance to say it. And maybe this is kind of foreign to you, but that's okay. I'm going to lead us, and I'll kind of give us a phrase. And then you follow along and pray from your heart as well. And I'll just kind of give you the lead words. And if you want to say these words, that's cool. If you don't, you can say something else too right there. So... 
I'm going to ask all of us, though, no matter if we raise our hand or not, to, to repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thanks for loving me. Thanks for seeing me in my fallen state. Thanks for coming to this earth, dying on a cross, so I can be forgiven, so the gap can be closed. I invite you into my life right now. Take the lead. Forgive my sin. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that's you, and and you prayed that prayer, and there were several of you throughout the auditorium today, I want to encourage you because um, probably right now you're going, that's amazing. I'm not sure what to do next. Well, we actually put together a little CD to kind of backfill and give you some more detail and fill in the gaps a little bit as it relates to what it means to be in relationship with God. And so in your bulletin that you were handed as you came in today, there's a connection card. And down at the bottom of one of the sides of that connection card, there's a little box that says, I just said yes, or I just rededicated my life. Would you do me a favor and take that connection card and mark one of those boxes this morning? And then as we leave here after a while, would you just walk down to one of those first, second, or third time kiosks? Even if you're not a first, second, or third timer, that's okay. You can just kind of cut right in line or whatever. Uh, and just or get in line orderly, of course. Um, and, and just hand that to them and tell them, I checked one of these boxes today and I, I met Jesus today. And they're going to give you a high five probably and really encourage you. And then our church will send you some more information about this um, this week in the mail. And we just, we just can't wait to follow up with you on that. Well, my second question to us this morning is this. First of all, is there a gap between us and God? But secondly, and this is for all of us. My second question is, are you who you want to be? Because we're starting this series, Who I Am, Who I Want to Be. And my question to us this morning is, are you who you want to be? See, here's the reality. We only have one life to live. We only get to go around this deal one time and my heart's desire as a pastor my heart's desire as a leader is that each and every one of us would not squander the opportunity that we've been given to become who God wants us to be so the worship team is going to come and they're going to sing a song it's not even really a worship song it's, it's just a song by Switchfoot and it's the words of it say, this is your life, are you who you want to be? And as the worship team sings this song this morning, I want to ask us right where we're seated for the next three or four minutes to, to take this opportunity and right where you are to reflect in a personal way and to engage God and ask and answer the question, am I willing to let God wrestle with me? Am I willing to ask God to bless me? Am I willing to be true about my true identity and this gap that exists in my life? Am I willing to let God change my identity? Am I willing to walk with a limp? Am I willing to wrestle with God? You guys, this is our life. We only get one shot to live it. Let's don't live with a gap. Let's wrestle with God. May this be the beginning of the wrestling match with God that changes who we are forever. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this amazing story, this amazing encounter of a man named Jacob who wrestled with you. A man named Jacob who was willing to get gut-level honest about who I am and about who I want to become. Jesus, I pray in the next few minutes as 
we reflect on the words of this song that our hearts would be broken open before you and that a willingness, a new willingness inside of us would overflow. That we would become who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen.